When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You want to see something really scary? You bet. Music. Horror. Art. Politics. And overall badass. Welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio. For real. On Society 13 Networks. Happy holidays, because they're over and you people get so happy when the holidays are over. Not many people like the Christmas extravaganza, that includes my dog, who started this show off by puking under my console. It's a great way to start any show. And uh, I have to clean that up, I have this weird gag reflex. I can handle a lot of things, I can handle a lot of blood, but something about dogs puking, it was noxious. Um, yeah, so... Holidays are over. We did the holiday extravaganza. Took a beating on that one, even though I was not feeling too good. Uh, lots of things going on. I enjoy my holidays. I had a great time, and then I had some terrible times. It's just like everybody else. Uh, and that show was also very bittersweet. If you listen to it, we had the bloody nerve, which was fantastic. Their their latest release was just. I, I love the song. Um, I, I'm just telling you, you should go back and listen to that one. I'm, you'll hear them again. Trust me. But as far as that, we also had some really, a couple of bloody mistletoe moments. Um, a lot of some people don't enjoy the holidays, and you got to hear from them as well. And that's the way we keep it here. Very open mic all the time. And as we have here right now, we're going to have some new music for you, because the only thing better than a good horror movie is a good horror movie soundtrack. We've got both with The Other Side. Now, this is an interview show, so of course, I'm flying solo. No Ms. D, no Heather Taddy. And, um, but we do have Christine Starkey coming in, the leading lady of The Other Side. You'll be hearing her shortly. And um, I do have to plug something along the way here. There's a new book out. And, yeah, I'm in it. <laughs> of course I'm going to talk about it, but I'm not alone. But first, got to pay the bills. Can you hold on just for a second? I'm going to get right back to you. Burning Ball Publishing presents the next step in evolution of horror. David J. Fairhead's The Fall of Tomorrow. The Fall of Tomorrow is a tale of desperation told by those who are striving to salvage some hope against a ravenous passion of evil bent on ruling our world. Burning Ball Publishing presents The Fall of Tomorrow by David J. Fairhead. Available May 1st at Amazon.com and at burningballpublishing.com. Thank you, Nelson. Yes, that was Nelson W. Piles of Demons, Dolls, and Milkshakes, Postmortem Press. And you can check, definitely check him out at the Wicked Library. If you haven't checked that show out, I don't know what you're doing. You have to listen to the Wicked Library if you're a horror fan. It's old-school horror radio. He's in character, and he's great. Sound effects, music, everything. You, it's just great, and it's on Society 13 Network. 
Um, you can go to the Wicked Library on Facebook as well. Nelson W. Piles, he'll post it on his page. Now, he is also in this other book with me in Burning Bulb Publishing, Rise of the Dead. Okay, this is an anthology of zombies, okay, zombie stories put together by the original John A. Russo with Burning Bowl Publishing. John A. Russo, who wrote, co-wrote with George Romero, the original Night of the Living Dead, Rise of the Dead. These are stories in the timeline of the original Night of the Living Dead. I'm holding a copy in my hands. Of course, authors do get their copies. Um, it's good stuff, man. And John Russo, of course, writes the first one, which talks about the very first zombie and he has every right to do it because he created the flesh-eating zombie rise of the dead www.burningbulbpublishing.com where you could also find uh the fall of tomorrow my book which is out now not may that was last may yeah i gotta update that commercial and coming up now we definitely are going to play a song and get right into our interview with christine starkey the lovely christine starkey from the other side now let's get into a super void Against Sunrise from the soundtrack of The Other Side. Thanks for listening, folks.
Friends and fiends, this is Dave at Kettle Whistle Radio, and who do we just hear that I keep saying the wrong name of the band and they're going to hate me for it? <laughs> that is Super Void, and that was against Before Sunrise. Before Sunrise. Actually, that says Against Sunrise. Oh, then I got it wrong. <laughs> oh, they can come back at us with that one then. Um, yes, I have a very special guest with me from The Other Side. Uh, the Other Side being a great zombie movie, and I don't even want to call it a great zombie movie because it's way different. Um, I have Christine Starkey with me, leading lady in my opinion. Um, there are several leading ladies, but you definitely take the cake in this one. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's an honor to have you here today. And uh, well, how you been? I've been great. Um, I've been looking forward to this. It's been fun, you know, just talking with you, you know, horror talk, oh, you know, in our messaging. It's like, all right, now I'm in this awesome room with all these collectibles, and it's like. <laughs> I just, I just want to sit and talk and, you know, play with all of these things. That's, that's the latest edition right there. Do you recognize him? That's Sam. Sam from Trick or Treat. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. cool. I saw that and snatched it right up. I mean, I couldn't believe they even made an action figure of him. But yeah, Trick or Treat's <laughs> a favorite movie of mine. Now, you obviously have a favorite because from what I've been told in the movie The Other Side, you were able to pick your name for your yeah, character. Yeah. Well, when we, when they first started, uh, when, before we, um, was in production and started filming, um, my original name was was Cat Catherine, hmm. and that was from the original short, and that was actually the real name of the actress who played uh, her. Okay. And uh, they approached me, and they were like, "There are too many people in this script that have, you know, the name begins with the letter C." So they're <laughs> like, "We're gonna give you a list of names, and you just choose from it." I almost picked Rebecca Becca because that's my great grandmother's name, but I saw Ash Ashley, and I told John Nespazinski, who gave me the list of names, "I'm like, okay." I'm an Evil Dead fan. Can it be Ash Ashley? And then the next day they announced me and they're like, we'd like to introduce our leading lady who's playing Ash Ashley. And I'm like, great. Definitely. I, there's a lot. This movie was all about building characters. And that's why I say that it seemed like oh, there was a lot of leading. A lot of everybody was a main character. I love that. Mm-hmm. But you stand out. I mean, and you're you are telling the tale from the other side, which I, I don't even I'm afraid to approach this without spoiling things. Like, mm-hmm. how do you explain this movie? Without giving away, or do, the, do they not care? Does the director not care? I guess I kind of just, you know, if people ask me about it, I t- try and give them as little as possible. Like, I just say, you know, okay. my character wakes up in the woods. She has no idea who she is, and she just comes across this drifter and says, we got to go. They're after us. And I'm like, who's after us? Right. And, you know, through my character, through my husband's character, and my daughter, and through these other characters who they, you know, interact with, mm-hmm. you, we find out that this is the beginning of the zombie apocalypse. And mm-hmm. I kind of just leave it at that. And, you know, we kind of, you know, learn as we go go along, you know, this beginning of what's happening, you know. I could play along with that. That's good, because your character's just a troubled person, obviously having trouble staying in the house. She has her own reasons for that, and whether it's family problems or her own problems, and it was a combination of everything, human problems. Yeah. This isn't just a monster movie, which I thought was really good. I'm sure that, is that what attracted you to the script to be with? Well, when I first heard about this, um, it was actually my ex-husband who was auditioning for it, who told me about it, who showed me the short, and I was like, I have to audition for this, because he knew how much I loved, you know, the horror scene and the zombie scene. It's like, this, this is, this is my comeback. I need to do this. Nice. Yeah, so it was definitely the whole zombie thing that attracted me to it, and then I got to know the Nespazinski brothers and Ray and how much they are into it, and it's just like, we're just a bunch of nerds making a movie. This is fun. That's great. It was a great experience. Nerds are in, man. Nerds have been in for the past five to eight years. I've been working conventions, it seems like, forever now. And um, girls are bigger nerds than guys now. And that's cool. I mean, it used to be very 10% girls and 90% guys at these things. Now it's like 60 40. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know how many conventions you've done, but you're going to be doing them now. You realize that, right? <laughs> I know. That's My life is wonderful now. But yeah, nerds are just very passionate people. And I think that's one of the things that made working on the other side so much fun is just like this is just a huge group of nerds just making something that you know is just so cool and you know the Pittsburgh scene the zombie scene that's just cool in general and just to say that you did a zombie film in Pittsburgh is also awesome and like you said like you know the amount of girls who are nerds like we had a lot of people involved in this movie you know who were girls who you know China White being one of the special effects uh supervisors and we had you know Carrie doing the wardrobe we had uh Amber Lee one of the assistants who really took care of me on set and you know Jameson Lee who did the makeup made me look beautiful just you know the women who are involved in this film you know I give them mad props you know China White being one of my favorite people she's an awesome individual 
That's cool. I mean, I'm glad you're dropping all these names because I didn't know there, there was a lot of names when I go through those credits. Yeah, there's a lot of and people I involved. didn't know. Wow. That was a huge project, not to mention the zombies. But, <laughs> I mean, just like, and the scenes, uh, I, I recognize a few. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some along 51. I recognize the school. Yeah. I did not recognize the farm scenes out in the woods or anything. Where did that take place? Uh, the farm scenes and the wood scenes mostly took place up in Claysville, PA, which is mm. about, I think, a 45 to an hour minute drive, if I can remember it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a bit up there, you know, like cell phone service wasn't really working for me up there. Made it realistic. (laughs) Yeah, made it realistic. It was beautiful though. It was actually, um, the Claysville, the location was, um, Ray, one of the directors, that was his, uh, parents, uh, farm and we shot up there. It was very beautiful. It really was. Um, like, it was hard to, like, be scared, even though, like, when it, this isn't a terrifying movie. It, it's a terrifying experience. I'm, I'm going to say just the, the, the emotional level it is, it is really horrifying. Mm-hmm. How, what the characters have to go through individually. Um, because there wasn't a lot of night shooting, I noticed. A lot of it took place in the daytime. Mm-hmm. If you can manage to pull that kind of emotion, especially out of me, um, a horror fan, in the daylight, you're accomplishing something. So, oh, cool. I'm just saying, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was, it, it just, uh, it was just like, you know, a, just a, another day. And then all of a sudden all this shit happens. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, like, in the opening scene, you got yourself, you were very worked up instantaneously. Yeah. How'd you do that? How'd you prepare to, like, all of a sudden, like, you're in it? Um, that was, you know, all about what I was doing with my backstory and, you know, that situation that I just kind of put myself in. Um, that was kind of like my goal with that character is I'm on a constant state of alert and where am I? What's going on? It's like, you know, you wake up and you're in the middle of nowhere. What is happening? And all of a sudden, you know, not only do you not know where you are and you don't know who you are, but something is clearly wrong. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you're in that state, you know, and wide awake uh, nightmare. basically. Yeah. And that was my goal is to, you're, I'm in a constant state of alert and you know, my guard is always up. That's what I, you know, constantly playing throughout the film and mm-hmm. secondary, I'm trying to figure out who I am, mm-hmm. where I am, what's going on. And, uh, one of the things that I actually, I actually pulled out my script recently. And one of the things that I wrote on my script was, um, everybody has the capacity to kill. It's a matter of what it takes for them to get to that point. So it's like, you know, how, f- how far am I going to be reaching to the breaking point to where it's just like, I'm just going to be going more batshit crazy than I already am. <laughs> and actually something I read a review just recently, I think it was on Facebook and you posted from somewhere else where they said, gradually you just become better and better and better through the movie, more convincing. And just like, and I'm not saying you're not convincing from the onset. It's just, you, you get more involved watching you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Progressively, I guess that was your plan, or was it? Yeah, well, it was a script. The more and more, the more and more you want to go through a film. I mean, I, this is just me talking, I guess. I, I just, um, you just want to keep raising the stakes, you know, and everything just keeps getting more and more, you know, scary. And mm-hmm. yeah, you, you're upping, you're upping your game for sure. So you, yeah, you were definitely upping your own, challenging yourself. Because yeah. mm-hmm. from one scene to the next, it did progressively, like, you just, you, I don't know, I was really impressed, we'll just say. Um, something I wanted to ask you about, and I saw this on your Facebook page, I was scouring it. What is Professor Eldridge's Asylum for, the, <laughs> for Uncanny and Extraordinary Women? That is the next theater uh, project that I am involved in. It's an immersive theater project. Um, we are... Eight extraordinary women throughout <laughs> history, actually. So these are real women. I got that impression. Cool. You know, okay. that are just plucked from their own times. And they've been placed in this asylum. You know, who are we and why are we here? For what purpose? You know, we don't exactly know. Um, who I play is this young girl named Brenda. Um, she's based off of a real person. And she committed a horrendous crime mm. when she was 16 years old. And she's in this asylum. And... You know, we learn a lot about her, why she is the way that she is, and, you know, her relationships with these other women. But also, what is this house to her? Is this her safe haven? Is this a prison for her? Mm. And it's, that's the same with the rest of the women, is what are their relationships? And, you know, what is this house and what does it mean for them? 
And people who are going to be walking through a vacant house in Pittsburgh is what it's going to be. It's not going to be a stage. It's going to be a vacant house in Pittsburgh. And you're going to be going through this house. And you're going to be meeting these characters. And you're going to be seeing this whole scene laid out before you. And you're, you're going to find out, as wow. we're going to find out, what exactly is going on. And what we're doing right now with uh, the Asylum play is we have an Indiegogo campaign that we're uh, putting off now until February uh, 6th. And we're trying to raise some money to, you know, make this production what we really want it to be. Plug that now and, and let uh, people know because, yeah, tell, yeah, them, tell them they can help you. Yeah, it's on Indiegogo campaign. You can follow us on Facebook with Professor Altridge's um, uh, Silent for Uncanny and Extraordinary Women through Devious Made Productions. So go to Facebook, search Devious Maids Productions, and uh, you can find a link to our Indiegogo campaign, and you can uh, follow us, support us, you know, whether it's, you know, just by sharing it on your own Facebook wall or Twitter. We are also on Twitter, Devious Maids Productions. And, you know, just by spreading the word. You know, you don't have to donate, but, you know, spread the word and, you know, maybe, you know, get people who will donate to this event if you're interested and keep an eye out for us because we will be doing this show um, late March to the beginning of April. And I'm really excited to be a part of this team because, you know, it's it's eight it's eight women and we're playing these really just like very scary and, you know, people... Who, who have done really terrible things. Oh, so they're in their all life. villainous. And it's not like there's one sweetheart among yeah. them. Yeah, <laughs> but are we the anti-hero? Are we, mm. you know, like the mentor? Like, who are these women? Like, they're more than just you know black and white and evil people. There's more to them. Like my character, Brenda. You know, she committed a horrendous crime at the age of 16, but she was troubled. She was a very troubled girl. So it's just like you know, there are layers to these individuals and these women. That's what I love about this project. Is these are women playing them and you know like you know more than just playing you know like the Manny Pixick dream girl or the damsel in distress or right. you know the you know the sexless wife you know housewife <laughs> you know these are extraordinary women and I like that it's a cast of women doing this play and uh, the women who are involved it's just a great cast a great crew I think it's going to be a great project sounds impressive and new I like I have a lot of folks in here and it's it's amazing how many times I have somebody sitting, we call that the third rail. Today it's just the rail, because uh, <laughs> we're missing some folks here today. Um, no Heather Taddy and Miss D, uh, they couldn't be here today. But generally when I do interviews, it's just me anyway. Um, but I'm amazed at how many times I have directors, actors, actresses like yourself, and that there are so many new ideas and projects out there. Mm -hmm. And this is one. This sounds great. I'd go to this in a heartbeat. Oh, I mean, wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I know a few people that would. So yeah, we should get it out there. That's good. I'm glad to, I'm now I know what that is because I wasn't I didn't really look dig deep into it. I'd rather hear it from you anyway. Oh, thank yeah. you. Um, I, let's see here. Uh, um, as far as your past, like how did you get started? Let's let's get into like how you get started in acting. We, we well, should at least get a little background on you. Um. Well, I was always kind of watching a lot of movies growing up. You know, like. Uh, musical movies, um, Disney movies, you know, a lot of singing and everything like that. And, you know, I was kind of always into that scene, singing and dancing. Mm -hmm. I think I really, I just remember when I was nine years old going to some kind of, you know, I want to say it was like the Pittsburgh Civic Center or something. And I, I, I did, you know, classes there and I did plays there. I remember doing The Wizard of Oz. I was the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. And I did Gypsy and I was, you know, like a chorus uh, person or something but it, i really you know started you know becoming passionate about it when i was 15 years old when i went to stage right in greensburg and i took classes there and i was involved in you know just a few shows there that was you know for our classes and i just became so involved with singing and dancing and acting and i really enjoyed it and when I went off to college, my parents were like, yeah, acting and singing, dancing, that's all well and good, but you might want to have a plan A. And I didn't really have a plan A. So when I, when I went to college, I went to Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania, and I majored in psychology. My parents were like, hmm, what are you going to do about that? And I'm like, I don't know. It's not acting, okay? <laughs> and, I, and I enjoyed, you know, being a psychology major, and it certainly helped me with my acting. But at the same time, I spent more time at the theater department and the film department than I did, you know, anywhere else. And I did a few plays when I was up in Edinburgh, and then um, when I 
came back to Pittsburgh after two years at Edinburgh, I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing with this degree. I'm going to leave college and pursue acting because it's like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I want to act. I want to give it a shot. So I went back to Pittsburgh and I actually, in 2009, did Pittsburgh Irish and Classical Theater's uh, Jane Eyre. And I was Helen Burns in that. And that was an amazing experience. And I met a lot of wonderful people in the theater world there. And um, I kind of took a break from acting. I went on a hiatus because I got married. And uh, the person who I married was also a performer. He was a magician, sideshow performer, actor. And we kind of were hoping to plan back and forth things, like you do your thing and I'll support you. And uh, obviously that wasn't the case because when I was shooting The Other Side, actually, is when I separated from my husband because, um, you know, the level of support was obviously very one-sided. So after three years of supporting him, the support level kind of went down when I went back into acting. But, uh, you know, again, went through a three-year hiatus after uh, Pittsburgh Irish and Classical Theaters, and I just got involved with The Other Side. And then after that, I was just like, I just, you know, need to get back into the scene. And after I did The Other Side, I immediately went into Kelly Brisbane Management Productions' uh production of the rocky horror show and that was fun because i hadn't done a musical in like so many years and here i am you know being a sexual transvestite you know with all these you were the lead role no i wasn't i (laughs) I played a phantom which was um which you know if you're familiar with the rocky horror picture show i was kind of like a and this is was an immersive theater thing that we did Oh, that Kelly Brisbane did, Lisa Ann Goldsmith directed. And I was actually involved with two people from the other side. Really? Um, Chucky Hendershot, uh, who yeah. played my, yeah. you know, le- uh, leading man, as it were. Yeah. He played Riff Raff, actually, and that was his first musical ever. Interesting. Um, amazingly talented, you know, jack of all trades. That, that fucker can do anything. <laughs> so that was, that, you know, he went and did that. And, um, Johnny Terreri, who played the principal in The Other Side, me and him were both phantoms in the Rocky Horror Show. Cool. And it was really great getting to know him because I was not um, on set when he was on set. I met him on set, but only because I, you know, came to set and, you know, met all these different people. <laughs> but I actually started a really good friendship with him through, you know, the Rocky Horror Show. And it was just a lot of fun getting back into that scene of, you know, singing and dancing and you know, that was great. And then a few months later, I did uh, 12 Pierce Theater's Cactus, um, written by Philip Real, uh, Pittsburgh playwright. And I was a leading, that was my first leading lady in theater. And, you know, now I'm just kind of supporting the other side and getting involved with, you know, Devious Made Productions and uh, that immersive theater project and just auditioning here and there and seeing what the next... Uh, Next adventure is that's some body of work. I don't. I don't even have to like ask the question. I was going to ask you: Do you get involved in anything in you know on stage? Obviously, that's your background. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That, but that's where you got started. That yeah. is, that's where it all okay. Yeah, you, you I, didn't plan on movies, or is that where you wanted to go? I did a few short films. Like when I was with my husband, we did a few short films. I did a few short films in uh, college as well. But yeah, for the most part, I, I have more theater work than okay. film work. And the other side was my first feature film. Are there any characters that you would wish you could have played in film right now that, you, of course, obviously, they're out there. You're like, oh, man, I wish I had that role. Was there some... Not necessarily a mm-hmm. horror movie. I mean, hmm. it sounds like you're pretty... You have a broad I, spectrum of what you could play anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really watch films and thinking I could play that better, but I, you know, like... See, but I, I do. I watch I watch, <laughs> I, I watch a lot of, of really bad horror movies and really good ones, and no matter what, that's how I got started writing I re- always rewrote the ending how I thought it should go, you know, mm-hmm. and make it my own type of thing. And that's how I practice writing. You know, look, you learn from other people's mistakes in a lot of cases. And I'm not saying I'm that good. I'm still learning. But that's the whole idea. You take the inspiration, then you see where you can go with it. But yeah. I don't know. Like, is there, like, say they were to remake one of your favorites, would you play a lead role in any of them? Oh my gosh. That's a tough question. I don't know. Sure it's the, right off the top of my head, I can't really can't really think um well i was just having a conversation uh with my buddy johnny the other night about american horror story are you familiar with that the second (laughs) season uh who played the young nun Oh, she's great. She's in the uh, all of them, actually. I think she shows up in the season yeah, she, later she's on. She's in yeah. all of them, but yeah, uh, long blonde hair. Yeah, I don't remember. I the don't name. know her name either. I, I always forget the name it. of the um, nun. But uh, Johnny was actually telling me he was just like, you know, there's a level of cuteness to me and there's a level of creepiness to me. And he's like, you could play that character very well. So I guess just 
by answering this question now. It's just like uh, yeah. if if they if we would do a movie of that season, I would probably audition for her. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a really good. Yeah, I, I agree with him completely. That's really mm-hmm. good. Well, we're going to take a quick break here, and we're going to get into um, Order of Nine, which we <laughs> I don't want to get into that. We had a little Order of Nine issue earlier today, <laughs> but um, <yeah. laughs> I almost called them the wrong name or whatever. But I actually like this band. I, I followed them before the soundtrack. I have an old CD of theirs, and I I'm imagining it's the same Pittsburgh band. Uh-huh. I think they've been around a while. But yeah, we're gonna That's play. Cool. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, Order of Nine, Spiral Staircase, and we're gonna get right back with Christine Stark.
was Order of Nine, Spiral Staircase, great band, Pittsburgh band, of course. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And we were just talking off air a little bit here. I'm here with uh, Christine Starkey from The Other Side. Great movie you guys have to check out. We're talking about another local movie here, Screen Park, which uh, was I had Carrie Hill on here, the director, for a while. Took place in Conneaut Lake. I recommend everybody to check that one out. Oh, Go to awesome. ScreenParkMovie.com. Check it out. That's a lot of fun. It's an 80s throwback slasher flick. So, oh, yeah, man. it's fun, yeah. Everybody's about your age that's in it, too. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for, you know, the guys that made it. <laughs> they're, they're about my age. Aw, <laughs> yeah. well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome. Well, hey, I, you know what? I have some questions here from, a, well, a fan, a listener, and now i, I got to say a new hire who want his, he's going to invite you to be on his show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, this is uh, Dan Foytek of the Ninth Story Podcast. He has an amazing listenership, and in his production, he makes me sound like shit. <laughs> Yeah, that's what he says too, but, um, we'll see. We'll get you on there and you'll enjoy yourself. But he, he, he these are good questions. Okay. All right, here we go. Dan Foytek to Christine Starkey here. Perhaps even more than the casual moviegoer, actors are lovers of story, as is Dan Foytek, and the magic of becoming lost in a good tale. As a viewer of the film, what do you think makes it a story that you get lost in? That is a wonderful question. Mm. Yeah, I think, when watching this film, I, watching any film, it's like, who are these people and, you know, why is it they, why, why did they do the things that they do? Why are they the person that they are? And especially when watching Chad Connolly, you know, why, why did he make the decisions that he did? Why is he the person that he is? And my sister, for that matter. And, you know. Natalie. Natalie. And, there's there's so many levels of emotion you know that go through these characters and you know their history and i try and piece them together as i go along especially i was really excited when i was watching you know chad's performance because you know I'm, i'm lost throughout half of the film so i have a few scenes with him but not very many so i was looking forward to watching him in the scenes that i wasn't a part of and seeing his performance and seeing you know him kind of break out of a shell and, you know, figure things out. It's like, yeah, what is it that's behind him? And why is it that he is that really gets me involved in a story and how it progresses and seeing how these characters, you know, you're rooting for them and you want them to succeed. And even if some of them are complete and total assholes, it's just mm-hmm. like, well, why is he an asshole? And, right. well, he is because of this reason and you feel for him and... Yeah, you, you're rooting for them the whole time. So there's a lot of perspectives. Yeah, does that answer the question? It does. Um, there's a lot of perspectives. You were the leading lady, of course, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of perspectives to look at here. Cammy's perspective as the child, you know, mm-hmm. and, the, and then you know your husband. And there's there's really everybody's a main main character, you know. Mm-hmm. Even oh god, the the cop. What's his name? Oh jeez, he was Officer great. Officer Todd. Yeah, he was hilarious. He, I, Matthew I, Bright. He was so I- intense. <laughs> Are you talking about uh, Ben, the uh, the chief? The chief, yeah, oh, the chief. chief. He, he was so yeah, intense. That, like I, I thought he was great. Yeah, the other one was hysterical too. Officer I mean, Todd, that poor girl. he was he was my favorite. Poor kid. I have favorites. Matthew Bright but was my favorite. They were, but everybody was so important, and you get their perspective, and it was all on a humanistic level and real emotion coming out in a mm-hmm. strange situation. And uh, there was a, another cop. I don't know if he even had a name. He just says it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> he says it twice, and it's just because like he. What else do you say? It's like it's crazy out. There. Yeah. Look in his eyes, <laughs> and he just says it again. I don't even know if that was in the script, but it made me laugh. I'm like, what, what, what do you say at that moment when you know the chief is staring you down? Like, well, it's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, what do you say? These banshees running around in the woods. I mean, there's really not much you can do in that uh, point. But I like that scene too. And of course, the security guard was great. Mm-hmm. He's great. There's so many well, good characters, you know. Mm-hmm. So many good characters. Um, well, let's see. Dan's you know, he's going to assault you with another one here. Oh. Yeah, he's pretty good. He's. Uh, let's see here. This one's a little long-winded, and the writing is small. <laughs> All right, here we go. He, he, he emailed me these. Sometimes we have call-ins, but that can get rough uh, depending on who's calling in. Uh, let's see. Characters drive any good story, as we were saying. A fact that some movie filmmakers forget, and they do. The other side differs from the run-of-the-mill zombie flick in that it's like it's granddaddy, Night of the Living Dead. It focuses heavily on character and story. What what were the benefits and the challenges as an actress being part of a film like this? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I skewered that a bit. What do you think? Well, um, 
that's one of the things that I loved about this script, uh, that I loved about the story is, is that it was very character driven, you know, that's what makes it scary. Cause yeah. like you can only, you, you know, these, this is, these are the zombies, you know, they're there, but it's like, you know, it's all of how, you know, we react to what is going on that makes it so scary. And with me, I, you know, I was in that situation where I was just kind of like in a constant state of, you know, paranoia and a constant state of, you know, I need to get, I need to get here. I need to do this. I need to do that. And yeah, it's like, um, just piecing everything together and, you know, uh, I'm kind of treading off. That's all right. Now. No, there's nothing more boring than, um, having characters you don't care about in a movie. I mean, nothing more boring. Yeah. I, and, and, and that was a big problem in the early fifties and sixties movies. There was one or two characters that were important. You knew that were never going to die. <laughs> and the rest of them all wore suits and hats and they all look the same. And like, yeah, I could care less if the giant squid is going to eat them all, mm-hmm. you know, but now it's just like a movie like this. Uh, the director made uh, his name. Uh, his, I have a, his last name. How do you say that? Nespazinski. He made every character important and interesting. Yeah. So when something happened to them, you're like, oh, it sucked. <laughs> like you didn't want to see that happen. And then you're like, oh, now I'm not going to see that character again. Mm-hmm. That's how you should be made, meant to feel. Um, he, I like Dan's next question actually even better. Um, this one's easy. W- were there any scenes you struggled with emotionally? Struggled with emotionally. Um, well, I guess. The easiest way to answer that question was I was going through a separation <laughs> from my husband at the time. Mm. So the one thing that you don't want to do is drag your personal life into your work. Mm. And um, I was emotional, you know, to begin with because, you know, I had to put myself in that for the character. But the last thing that I wanted to do was to bring that into my work and then, you know, because that, that just leads to trouble. So I think there was one scene where I was with Chucky and we were hiding from two zombies that were yeah, walking by. I know the scene. And you know, he, Chuck was like, "You need to be more careful." And I said, "We're not going to make it, are we?" And I just, I was just hearing that in the back of my head. You, you know, as an actor, you put yourself in certain situations to where you get to that point where you're, you know, emotionally supposed to be at. And I couldn't help but think when I was saying that line, "Is we're not going to make it, are we?" That was me kind of in my head thinking, "I'm." I, my marriage is doomed. <laughs> and, a, I, and me, that was definitely in that scene. I was definitely in my head, and I was just that was when I was struggling. Just like get the fuck out of your head and get the fuck in the scene. Stop thinking about your personal life. Leave that. Leave that back at your car. Leave that back at the door. You're here to work. So that that scene was, mm. you know, me trying to be in character. And they got the shot that they got. It was just like, okay, I was I was happy with that because I was really worried. I was like. It did, worked. Did they capture it? Okay, all right. It we're worked. Good. I mean, it, it, not only did it work. Um, I mean, it was a turning point in the movie. You just saying that, and where I differ with you there is experience. I mean, if it, I, writers, if they're good, write what they know. You can make up characters and combine stories and things like that in your head, but if you're not writing from the heart, and it's, you're fooling your audience, your audience can sniff that out and say, this guy, this guy doesn't know what mm-hmm. he's doing. Uh, you know, but a lot of the stuff that's, you know, in that book sitting next to you there, The Fall of Tomorrow, which I have to plug, I have to do that every now and then. I have to read it. <laughs> it's, uh, located in, well, it's located in Pittsburgh, New Jersey, and Ohio. And, and so, it's funny because, and I get, I'm getting flack and laughter out of this, Ohio is the place to go to save yourself. <laughs> New Jersey is the, where hell opened up. <laughs> But yeah, kind of comes from a real place in some mm-hmm. respect. But yeah, that's uh, well, yeah. If you want to read the book jacket, there. <laughs> oh yeah, the fall of tomorrow is man's last tale of desperation, told by those that are striving to salvage some hope against the bastion of evil beasts bent on ruling our world. Right, not a zombie book. Not, not a, zombie. a zombie book. No, no. Okay. we're dealing with a different thing entirely. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, so you can, guys, you can find that at, at uh, fairlydarkproductions.com. That's www.fairlydarkproductions.com. And birdingbowlpublishing.com. Um, that's my publishers and definitely on my Facebook, Twitter, and all that fun stuff. But yeah, I gotta plug that now and then. But yeah, that stuff, that came from a real place. A lot of the characters are from real people and the stuff I have coming out next is more than real. And it's a little bit much, actually. Some, <laughs> some of it's a little close to the heart. So I wonder when you say that, you know, it really worked for your, when you went into your real place, um, you never want to do that again, 
or do you want to use those real emotions again the next time you're you're acting? Or are you going to stay away from that? Like you said, leave it in the parking lot. And yeah, well, I I don't really bring my personal life into my work. You know, there's mm-hmm. you know you you always bring yourself into a role for sure. But you know, for me, like I try and leave everything you know personal at the door. I mean, mm-hmm. that's with any job you have. It's just like whatever's going on in your personal life, leave it at the door. You're here to work. You know, like I I work at Trader Joe's, so it's like yeah, I leave my personal life out at the door. And when I go in there, it's all about customer service and smiling and whatnot. And that's the same with acting. It's just like, don't bring your personal life into your professional life. You know, you don't, you don't eat where you shit. So mm-hmm. that was, that was for me. But yeah, I mean, I'm prepared to like, you know, play all these different layers of emotion and I, and I do things to prepare for that. But uh, that's, you I was going to ask you, how do you then if you don't, if it doesn't come from that place, where do you? Well, it certainly comes, comes from a, a real place. Like, uh, the last scene of the movie, it was a very emotional thing for me. And what I was doing that day is, like, I had, like, a soundtrack that I, I had put on my iPod of just, you know, some really emotional songs for me that gets me, you know, thinking of where my character is at at that point. Music is huge. And music is huge. You know, music has a very powerful effect on people. And I listened to that soundtrack, you know, the night before I listened to it on the ride, and I listened to it on set. And, you know, it was just also me thinking about that situation. If I was put into that situation and what my character was going through at the time and it's like it just becomes real like I literally put you know like even throughout the entire movie you're in that constant state of paranoia and yeah I would be if I was in that situation you know it's cause like a lot of actresses say it's just like you know when they do a horror movie or at least I've, I've found this to out when I was, you know, looking into this whole horror movie thing, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, well, I've never been, you know, chased by a monster or anything like that, but it's cool to pretend. Mm. And it's like, well, you know, you're not pretending, you know, the acting is living, so you have to put yourself in a situation where, you know, that you can relate to, mm-hmm. you know, that makes it real, that makes it raw, that makes it dangerous, that, so when the person's watching you, they're not watching somebody pretending they're watching somebody literally being devoured or Mm. being eaten or being killed that's where i could see the separation would be really important in the case of somebody like heath ledger who apparently got too far into that character Mm -hmm. he didn't separate it and so they say i don't nobody really knows but yeah i can see where you on the flip side where you'd want to leave that acting where it was and go home at the end of the day because you know you're not really a serial killer Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're not really seeing your friends getting eaten so i guess yeah but some people i don't know whether it's drugs or other things getting too involved and bring it home and who knows but yeah so i I do understand what you're saying there with the separation um i have a really this is a question that i had and it's funny it's the last one that dan sent me Uh, we both had the same question here um Without giving away any surprises, what was your favorite scene to act out? And I think you may have answered that already. Because for me, it's that final. For me, it was the final scene for sure because there was there was so much I was playing off of, Um, and you know it was really, really it was really cool going. It's always cool when you do something and you do it you do it really well and you're just really, really happy. And I remember being on set. And, you know, everyone's always saying, quiet on the set, quiet on the set. And that final scene where I kind of, you know, broke down. You know, I will say that mm-hmm. I broke down. And I just remember hearing a pin drop. And mm-hmm. I was like, I must be doing something right. Because, <laughs> like, I'm looking, like, down down the field. And there are people down the field who are watching. And I'm like, this is awesome. And yeah. this was my return to acting. So it was like, okay. I'm right where I need to be. I'm right where I should be. So that was very rewarding for me. And I remember talking to Rob, who played my brother-in-law in the film. Yes. And at one point he uh, told me, he was just like, I just want you to know, <clears throat> and this was the best compliment I ever got. He's like, you scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was about to shit my pants. And I was like, that is the best comment I ever got. Yeah. So, you know, me breaking down and he was just like, you scared the shit out of me. I'm like, yay. <laughs> there was a lot of levels of emotion there and that final seems huge that was a great scene and it, it, the best part is too it doesn't end there <laughs> there's you know i love like the little cutaways at the end there uh-huh, and just like the montage and, throughout you know wow okay i just yeah i i dig that stuff i like giving more than the, the audience is waiting for you know it's just kind of i think it's neat mm-hmm. that was a, a really cool job on the director's part there just to decide to even add that in at the end there because some movies just you know fade to black and yeah. then but you know it keeps rolling Chris, and they needed to do that because of what was going on in that final scene is so intense yeah you know and you, that's all you 
<laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Chris and Ray did a really great job um, putting that film together and editing it and all that. Do you believe you had a line, um, what's in the past is in the past? Mm-hmm. Is that something you believe in or can that past always come back to haunt you? Um, I think a lot of people are haunted by their past, okay. but I am a firm believer of, you know, what's in the past is in the past. Like, you know, the past is a mystery, uh, the past is history, tomorrow is a mystery. And you can't, you can't allow yourself to, you know, be in that situation. I just got into a car accident actually a few days ago. And, uh, I'm fine. My car is fine. Miraculously, I didn't get hurt. And miraculously, my car is still drivable. Jeez, but you, could, you, like, know you could have told me that. <laughs> <laughs> I put it on Facebook. But, uh, see, um, I, I try not to look at everything. But, but um, I, I, well, the day that that happened, I kind of, you know, was thinking like, wow, that could have ended really, really bad. I could have ran into another car and there was a situation where I could have. But at the same time, I can't allow myself to think about what could have been because that's not the case now. The case is now it's I'm fine. Everything's fine. You take that situation. You learn from it. I'm going to drive a lot safer now on, you know, conditions that are Pittsburgh weather. Yay. (laughs) But yeah. And the thing about my character, about her, when she says the past is the past, you know, with her, she has a lot of mental problems that puts her in a situation where she forgets who she is Mm -hmm. for long periods of time. Like my husband said, you know, it would happen for two days and the other and one time it lasted for a week and the thing with her and i really saw her as a strong character because the thing is she goes through this all the time and this is not something that she has control over this is her mental illness this is her disease and she has no choice Mm -hmm. but to pick up the pieces and to keep going because you know and that's what i loved about her you know yes i I have to say that yeah she has to do that she has no choice if she would if she would constantly think about you know you know, my past sucks. I, I've got nothing going for me. Then she just crumble up and fall. But she is a very, very strong woman. You know, like uh, my husband says, your mom is tough. She's been fighting her life. She has, mm. you know, and she's learned from her past. And she's like, you know, she has a very horrible past. And, you know, her and her husband go through so much, so much hurt and so much pain. And there's so much potential for the two of them, which is why you're rooting for them throughout the entire movie. It's mm-hmm. like you want them to succeed. So, yes, uh, I think, you know, you learn, hopefully you learn from the past and it doesn't haunt you. And, you know, the biggest thing that you can do as an individual is whatever hurt or whatever pain anyone has caused you or anything that has been done for you to you, mm-hmm. you have to, you have to look past it and you have to forgive these people who've hurt you because that in itself is one of the, you know, strongest acts of, you know, yourself and moving forward. Perfect. Perfect. And, um... Those flashback scenes actually were the strongest point in building the characters, I thought. Mm-hmm. Huge. And he just gave just a little bit at the time till you finally and, – and you and there are characters that aren't developed until the last two to five minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. They're fully developed, and that's a really good story. Very Stephen King-ish, actually. But yeah. not just him, but even like if you watch old anime, you, you sometimes don't even know what's going on until you're 26 episodes into the anime series. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you realize who these characters are. And I thought that was yeah. really interesting. But let's talk about the future. Real, What's the future for you? Uh, obviously, you have that one project going on. What else is going on? Um, well, just um, I'm really excited for that immersive theater project. I've been auditioning for a few theater uh things here in Pittsburgh. I don't. I'm not too familiar with the film scene. I'm trying to get into it. Um, trying to find auditions, you know, for more, you know, films. But, you know, I'm just open and I'm just kind of, you know, for me, uh, again, I separated from my husband a year ago. We're going through divorce. And, uh, you know, throughout my life, I've kind of been, you know, in a situation where I've always had my family or I've always had, you know, my husband to kind of, you know, show me the way. So for the first time in my life, I'm 27 years old and I'm living life on my own. Mm. I've never had that, you know, safety net be taken out. So I'm kind of learning things as I go along. So I'm kind of living life for the first time in my life. So along the way, I'm trying to figure things out in life in general. But at the same time, I'm trying to find my way as an actress. So I'm kind of just enjoying this ride that I'm on right now and figuring it out as I go along so are the rest of us trust me watching you fantastic um what how do we, are you on twitter i am on twitter I, I used to use it a lot but i don't use it these days you I'm, should. I'm on twitter as a christy starkey christy starkey yeah. yeah i think i have you i'm not sure on that I haven't, right. been, I haven't been on there i know you said you added me you found me but i haven't been I, on there yeah since then. I, that was a week ago <laughs> i neglected it and i paid a price for that because i have a lot of followers and yeah. not just that my two assistants have more followers than i ever could yeah. probably because they're girls and they helped me boost this show and plus help me sell the books and stuff. And 
Um, I'm at Fairly Dark Folks. If you want to look me up there, we tw- oh, these shows get tweeted on there. So okay, yeah, you'll hear yourself on there someday. <laughs> um, absolutely, and of course, uh, Fairly Dark Productions. Look for the Fall of Tomorrow. Help me out. Uh, I got two more books coming out because that one did pretty well. So uh, hopefully, people enjoy it. That's that's all. I, I'm I, looking I, forward I, to reading it. I just yeah, I want. I just wanted something visceral, character driven, and yeah. that's what it is. And that's why characters like yourself are very important. Ash oh, Ash was a very important character. We're going to leave you with um, a song today too. Of course, we'll get into that next. But I have to. I, I definitely have to ask you since you are. Let's see here. A fan uh, of horror. You're you're familiar with Chucky, of course. Uh, Chucky Henderson? No, no. I'm oh, talking you're about talking about the, the Chucky, Chucky Child's yeah. Play. Absolutely. Okay. And, um, well, who would win in a cage match between Chucky and Blade from Puppet Master? He's right behind you. Who would win? Yeah. Blade. Nice one. Yeah. All right. That's what I wanted to hear. That's what I wanted to hear. Well, Christine Starkey, this was really fun. Mm-hmm. I hope you had a good time. I did. This was great. And if you have any last-minute plugs, do it now. Um, just uh, follow Devious Made Productions on Facebook. Uh, you can find a link through our Lindy Indiegogo campaign to uh, support and um, donate to our event. And keep an eye out for us. It's going to be a lot of fun. Eight women through history. Eight women of history. All in their own purgatory, it seems. Pretty badass women. Yeah. You I'm, know? Well, Not your I typical, look forward to that. Not look, your typical gal. Well, I hope this works out for you. And thanks for coming in. And uh, Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem. You're always welcome back. And uh, let's see. Let's do some fist fight in the parking lot. I had a name. Happens to be a favorite for, from the soundtrack to the other side. How about you? Oh, it is one of my favorites for sure. All right. Well, thanks for coming in. And good night, folks. Sweet dreams.
have some Nutella, okay? Okay, well, let's settle that. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's just No, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Hey there, I'm DC. I host the Rock Podcast. Back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock band like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interviews. Electric Acid. Electric acid.